Morning, church. Man, I'm pumped that you're here this morning. Thanks for being here to celebrate Jesus Christ. He is the reason that we are so blessed in this life, that we have the peace and joy that the world cannot offer. It comes through him. Indeed, he makes all things new in our life. And I'm sure that you're glad that you're here today as well. Why don't you kind of poke the person next to you and say, hey, I'm glad you're here today. Go ahead and do that. And we're equally glad that we've got guests here today as well. Thank you guys for joining us, being a part of our time together. We truly are glad that you're here. And of course, our hope would be if you're looking for a church home, man, we'd love for you to think about making Crosspoint that place you could call home to spiritually raise your family, to use your gift sets to help us tell the story of hope that is Jesus Christ. After all, he is the reason that we live and that we give him glory and honor in our life each and every day. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 3 this morning, and I hope you've got your Bibles, and we'll turn with me there. We'll be there in just a few moments. It's our kind of key text for this series called Making Space, and we'll probably go to it each and every week that we're in this uh, series. So it's going to be an important text for us to, to look at and kind of wrap our head around. All of our texts today will be on the screen uh, as well. But what a joy to dig into the Word of God and discover how we are called to live. We're talking about, we introduced last week, this idea of making space at the table. Because the table actually belongs to God. It doesn't belong to you and to me. And so we don't get to make the rules on who gets to come to the table and who has to stay away. God has invited all of us to this table. Uh, And it's an exciting thing to think about that more people than just guys and and gals that look like Tim Hall are going to be at this table. We get to understand and know each other better because of what Jesus Christ has done in this world for each and every one of us. Today, the idea is making space for the human race, and we're going to talk about racism today. It's a difficult topic to tackle in the current culture in which we live, and frankly has been difficult for decades uh, in our past, and no doubt we're not going to resolve it today. What we can resolve today, though, is to look more like Jesus Christ every day. That's something that you and I can do. Uh, With the power of the Holy Spirit, we can make that happen, and so the challenge today is going to be just exactly that idea. I want to start out with a story uh, about a friend of mine by the name of Carl Jemison. Carl is over the benevolence the Benevolence Ministry at the Overland Park Church, which is the church I worked at before I moved here. It's a suburb of Kansas City. Uh, And he does a great job of interacting with the public, helping them out when they have a need. It might be food, it could be uh, medical help, it could be any number of things, but he's great to be that representative for the OP Church and to help them along the way or help other families along the way. He's a real funny guy and we've had a lot of great interaction together, but Carl did not grow up in Kansas City. He grew up in the deep south. He grew up in Alabama. And Carl, in his very young, young kid life, experienced a lot of racism. He tells a lot of different stories, but one has particularly stuck with me. I want to share that with you this morning. He grew up in, in a part of Alabama where the KKK was still very active. And on the weekends, they had a certain pickup truck that they drove around town, and they harassed people and caused lots of chaos The truck sounded a certain way. It had certain mufflers on it, so you knew it was coming. It struck fear in the population of that town. Now, Carl's dad always allowed him to go out and play with friends on the weekend, but he was supposed to be home before the streetlights came on. Anybody else have that in their own life? He had to be home before the streetlights came on? Sometimes you were a little bit late, but you did that ninja dive onto the porch, and then everything was safe, right? You weren't going to get a spanking that day. 
But Carl was coming home one Saturday, and he had started out a little bit late, and he heard that pickup truck. Carl saw it come around the corner down at the end of the street. And he did the only thing a really young kid knew to do, and that was hide. And so he jumped into a ditch, and he crawled into a small metal culvert under a street. And he hid there in the mud and the water until he no longer could hear that pickup truck. He crawled out, afraid, shivering, muddy, wet, and he ran all the way home. Now, you and I have probably never had an experience like that. My guess is that racism takes all different kinds of shapes and stories today. And no doubt some of you have experienced some of those. But hopefully as we dig into text today, we're going to better comprehend and understand how God's called us to live in unity. How God's called us to live together. The realization that Jesus Christ has come to tear down the walls and to build bridges, that's what we're called to imitate. I'm really excited too, I know you are, that uh, Luke and Serena are here on staff and they're helping out with our praise team. Luke does a great job of leading us in worship. Uh, Yep, there's some... Praise God for that. But they're part of a group called United Voice Worship, and it's based out of Houston, Texas. And their whole premise, one of the foundations that they stand on, is that they have this unity about them. No matter your background, no matter your skin color, where you come from, that it's this unified effort to tell the gospel message in song. And we appreciate so much you guys standing for what the Bible truly is calling us to live out. Now, one of my fears today is as I speak that I I might offend some people in this room. That is not my intention. Uh, My my fear is that my non-white friends in this room and those listening online might interpret something in a way that wasn't intended. And I want to apologize up front for that. And my hope is if I offend you in some way that you'll come and talk to me afterwards. Because one thing I do know is I don't know anything other than white middle class man background. That's, that's what I know. But we're going to dig into the scripture and discover how we're called to live nonetheless. A second fear I have is that my white friends in the audience and listening online will think that it is a chastising moment, and that's not it at all. No matter your skin color, it's a call for all of us to realize that we can discriminate on both sides, and yet God calls us to be unified in his son, Jesus Christ. I also want to confess to you that in my adult life that I've also had my own biases and my own moments where I have dropped the ball on this subject. And I want to ask for God's forgiveness and yours in that moment as well. I want to be more like Jesus Christ. And my bet is that you here today want to do the exact same thing. That you want to look more and more like Jesus. Because as we live out this life together, we're called to live in unity with no walls of hostility. Nothing to take away from Jesus Christ and his desire for us to live in unity. Because I know that God's desire and his design from the get-go has always been that there be no racism. That we all be unified. When you look all the way back at the story of creation to Adam and Eve, no one knows what their skin color was. But we do know that they were made in the image of God, just like every single person in this room. 
made in the image of God. As a matter of fact, diversity and separation didn't really happen until Genesis chapter 11 when people started speaking different languages and they went their own direction. And that event happened because of pride. And I'll promise you this, pride is not something that God is proud of. Each one of us have to hold each other up in high esteem showing compassion and love, no matter your background, no matter your skin color, no matter what your culture is, we are called to live as one people with Jesus Christ being the center of all of that. I do know this, that when Jesus came, Jesus came to break down the wall of hostility, to tear down those walls and those barriers and to create bridges amongst his creation. That was the purpose of him coming and giving himself on the cross. Now, our foundational text that we're using through this series is Galatians chapter 3. We're going to read that now because it's so incredibly important to our walk. It is transformational in the way that we interact and work with people around us. Take a look what Paul says in chapter 3, beginning of verse 26. He says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. All of us are one in Christ Jesus. God sees us through his son, and he doesn't see male or female. He he doesn't see black, white, Hispanic. He, He doesn't see how much money you've got in the bank. He doesn't realize what part of town you live in, what your cultural background is, what your country of origin is. All he sees are people whom his son died for, and he loves each and every one of us. You know, Jesus said in his ministry, he said, if you have seen me, then you've seen the Father. We're called in Ephesians to imitate God. So the way we do that is we look at the life of Christ and we better understand how we're called to live out this compassionate, loving lifestyle, no matter our background or our skin color. You look at John chapter 4, we looked at this last week, the story of Jesus talking to the woman at the well. A Jewish man would never speak to a woman in public. It was social and religious taboo. Yet here we see Jesus talking to a female at a very public setting at the town well where they get water. He breaks down those walls and he's building bridges. Not only that, she is a Samaritan. And there were racial tension issues between Jews and Samaritans. And yet here's Jesus breaking down the walls of racial discrimination and leaning into this Samaritan's life. John chapter 4. Jesus was the greatest storyteller of all time. And in Luke chapter 10, he tells an incredible story that you and I are going to be very familiar with. There's this guy and he's headed to Jerusalem from Jericho. He's going to sell his wares. And on the way, he gets mugged. He gets beat up pretty bad. He's laying on the side of the road, stripped down. He's got nothing left. And two of his own countrymen are passing by, but they go way around this guy. They're not sure they want to get involved. They don't want to get into the mess. The the bad guys might still be in the area. But then Jesus, the greatest storyteller of all time, and understand he's telling this story to an entirely Jewish group. I would have loved to have been somebody sitting in that group to see their faces. Because suddenly a third guy shows up in the story, and it's a Samaritan people that they have some racial problems with. 
And that guy, the Samaritan, stops to help this Jewish man in desperate need. Do you see what Jesus did there? He made a Samaritan the hero in the story. Unbelievable. Their their expressions must have been priceless in the moment as they realize Jesus is tearing down walls and building bridges to those around him. There are two ideas I want us to, main ideas I want us to take away from today as we look into text and into scripture uh, of how God views racism. The very first one is this. Racism violates God's compassion. And you and I are called to a life of compassion. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, he says in verse 11, anyone who trusts in Jesus will never be disgraced Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives graciously to all who call on him. And you can insert whatever groups that you want in that text. Although Paul is very specific about the two groups, the principle of the idea is that we're all called into unity, one with another because of Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter your background, your skin color, where you come from. It's because of Jesus that we are unified and we're called to imitate him in every possible way. He loves each one of us. And God is love. The Apostle John says that in 1 John chapter 4. That not only is God a loving God, but God is love. And again, we're called to imitate him in every way. We're called to be loving to those around us, maybe even more so to those who look and act differently than we do, who attend a culture differently than we do, people that we might never go out with, so to speak. Maybe we're called to lean more into that moment to express the love that God wants us to because love goes the extra mile. Love carries the pack an extra mile. And just because we look different than someone else doesn't mean they're not invited to the table. God has invited all of us to the table and praise God for that. It is awesome to know that we love an incredible, loving God. And the truth is, when I sit beside someone at the table who's different from me, I get to know them better. You've had that moment before, maybe at a restaurant, maybe you've had a family over to the house that you didn't know real well, but as you begin over that hour or two, begin unpacking stories, you begin to realize that we actually may have more in common than I thought, because all families worry about how they're going to pay the bills. All families struggle with how to raise their children. All couples generally want to, to get along and understand how they can have a better marriage, most everybody is a, has a desire to understand how to walk with Jesus even better. You see, the differences between people are not cause for division among people. Just because we look different doesn't mean that we should be divided. In fact, text and scripture tells us something quite differently. As I was getting ready for today's lesson, I was doing a lot of search on social media. And I found this spoken word Uh, video that really did a great job of expressing the idea of what Jesus has come to do for each one of us. Let's watch together. I am not black. I mean, that's what the world calls me, but it's not 
me. I didn't come out of my mother's womb saying, hey, everybody, I'm black. No, I was taught to be black. And you were taught to call me that, along with whatever you call yourself. It's just a label. See, from birth, the world force feeds us these labels. And eventually, we all swallow them. We digest and accept the labels, never ever doubting them. But there's one problem. Labels are not you, and labels are not me. Labels are just labels. But who we truly are is not skin deep. See, when I drive my car, no one would ever confuse the car for me. Well, when I drive my body, why do you confuse me for my body? It's my body. Get it? Not me. Let me break it down. See, our bodies are just cars that we operate and drive around. The dealership we call society decided to label mine the black edition, yours the Irish or white edition. And with no money down, 0% APR, no test drive, we were forced to own these cars for the rest of our lives. Forgive me, but I fail to see the logic or pride in defining myself or judging another by the cars we drive. Because who we truly are is found inside. Listen, I'm not here to tell you how science has concluded that genetically we're all mixed and race in the human species doesn't exist or how every historian knows that race was invented in the 15th century to divide people from each other and it has worked perfectly. No, I'm not here to lecture. I just want to ask one question. Who would you be if the world never gave you a label? Never gave you a box to check? Would you be white? Black, Mexican, Asian, Native American, Middle Eastern, Indian? No, we would be one. We would be together. No longer living in the era of calling human beings black people or white people. These labels that will forever blind us from seeing a person for who they are, but instead seeing them through the judgmental, prejudicial, artificial filters of who we think they are. And when you let an artificial label define yourself, then my friend, you have chosen smallness over greatness and minimized yourself, confined and divided yourself from others. And it is an undeniable fact that where there is division, there will be conflict, and conflict starts wars. Therefore, every war has started over labels. It's always us versus them. So the answer to war, racism, sexism, and every other ism is so simple that every politician has missed it. It's the labels. We must rip them off. Isn't it funny how no baby is born racist, yet every baby cries when they hear the cries of another, no matter the gender, culture, or color, proving that deep down we were meant to connect and care for each other. That is our mission, and that is not my opinion. That is the truth in a world that is so much fiction. Please listen, labels only distort our vision, which is why half of those watching this will dismiss it or feel resistance and conflicted, but just remember, so that the caterpillar, before it broke through its shell and became the magnificent butterfly, well, these labels are our shells, and we must do the same thing so we can finally spread our wings. Human beings were not meant to be slapped with labels like groceries and supermarkets. DNA cannot be regulated by the FDA. We were meant to be free, and only until we remove them all and stop living and thinking so small will we be free to see ourselves and each other for who we. True. Oh.
What a powerful message. And even more so when Jesus Christ is in the middle of it. We're called, church, to look on one another as created in the image of God. Not having anything to do with culture or skin color, but realizing that we are loved by God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. It's attributed to Mark Twain that he said, Kindness is the language that the deaf can hear and the blind can see. There's an incredible moment in sports history, 1947, with the Dodgers. They draft the first black American to play Major League Baseball, Jackie Robinson. He had a 10-year stretch in the Major Leagues and did a great job by all accounts, but he suffered immensely from racism while he played ball. Time and time again, he heard the jeers of the crowd telling him to go home, calling him names that you and I would never repeat There was a moment when he's playing for the hometown crowd. Uh, He creates an error, and the, 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 the audience just erupts with negative feedback for him, calling him names, telling him to go home. His shoulders slump. Clearly, he is, he's unhappy with himself for the era, but he's even more so disgusted with what's happening in the stands. But one of his white teammates, a guy named Pee Wee Reese, comes over walks across the field, puts his arm around Jackie, and he reminds him, listen, you're on this team for a reason. We are family, and I want these stands to see what I stand for as well. This clip is from the movie 42. Let's watch together. Right here. Right there, you know what I mean? Thank you, Dave. What do you think of me I got family up there from Louisville. I need them to know. I need them to know who I am. Until I have stood with those in their story that have struggled, until I have walked in their shoes for a little while, I cannot truly appreciate or understand what, what folks go through each and every day. And so it's a call for us to live out the compassion of Jesus Christ in our life and walk a mile with those who are feeling oppressed, who feel discriminated against. The second idea is that racism violates God's commission. At the very end of Jesus' time on earth, he's gathered outside Jerusalem to to kind of launch this new thing called church. And all of his disciples are there. It's more than just the 12. And in it, he's commissioning them to go tell the story of the gospel. And in chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Not, Not just the Israelites, Not just, okay, we're at a moment where we'll include the suburbs of Israel. No, it's the whole world. Everyone has been invited to the table. 
Last week we looked at uh, an interaction between Peter, the apostle, and Cornelius, who is a Gentile officer in the Roman army. The Holy Spirit pulls them together. Peter goes to his house. They have a conversation. Peter sees they've already been blessed by the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. The family is baptized. And Peter goes on to say in verses 34 and uh, 35, I now know that God doesn't show favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. God doesn't show favoritism. We go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. God is talking to Abram and Sarah, and he's letting them know, listen, I know you don't have any kids right now, but the entire world is going to know who you are. You're going to bless the entire world. Look at the stars of the sky. Your offspring is going to be more than what you can count in the sky. And the promise of God in the moment to Abraham is all of the world will be blessed through you. Not just Jews blessed through you, not just those who come to the Jewish faith, but all of the world will be blessed through you. A foretelling of Jesus who is to come, who is to tear down the walls and invite people to the table. And so what you and I have to wrestle with is not being comfortable in our own little bubble. To to break the bubble and get outside and meet the rest of God's creation. To get to know them on their own turf, if you will. To walk and journey with them. But what I see so many times is fear. People afraid to get outside of the norm, where they're comfortable, the thing that they know the most. But it's a decision that we've got to make. Because every time that you and I make a decision to make a list of who can and cannot come to the table, it's no longer a a skin issue, church. It's a sin issue. And you and I have to realize that Jesus invited everybody to the table, not just folks who look just like you. There's a famous name you're going to be very familiar with. His name is Gandhi from East India. He he worked uh, in, in that area and tried to help India get its independence from Great Britain, which eventually they did. But as a young man, he was very studious, very well-read, and wanted to best know how how his life should go. And so he read all of the scholars. He read all of the religious works. He even read the New Testament. Now, he ended up being Hindu. But as he read that New Testament, he discovered who Jesus was, and he wanted to know more about Jesus. And so he made a trip to the United States, and he toured through the South. And what he found time after time was that he was turned away at every restaurant because of his skin color. He was not allowed to participate. And later in his journal, he wrote, I rejected Christianity not because of Jesus Christ, but because of Christians. Now, if you're anything like me, I never want anyone to say that about me. Lord, don't ever let me come in between someone and faith in Jesus Christ. Help me to be compassionate. Help me to be loving. Help me to be a a person that invites people to the table. Tony Evans, who is an African-American preacher just down the road here, I love a quote that he has. He says, I am not a black Christian. I am a Christian who is black. Church, we could take some advice from that one statement. Our identity is in Christ, not our skin color. Our identity is in Christianity and the love that that is supposed to pervade in each one of our lives. 
And what I love about Crosspoint right here, you guys are so awesome at welcoming. You look around and we're becoming more and more diverse as the weeks move on. And I love that. We have folks here from Nigeria, folks from India, folks from Guatemala, I heard. (laughs) I'm sure other Hispanic-speaking countries as well. We had someone here a couple of weeks ago from Scotland. We've got somebody here that grew up in Puerto Rico. I mean, we've got lots of different folks here. But is it more important that people know that I'm Caucasian or Hispanic or black? Or is it more important that they know me because of the love I have in my life because of Jesus Christ? It's more important that I look like Jesus. And so as we close out our time this morning, I want to give you three practical ideas very quickly that I think will help you and I lean into this story a little bit better. And the first one is this, make new friends. Now, don't leave behind your old friends. You still need those. You may need to get rid of some of those. I don't know what your life story is like. But make new friends. Get outside your comfort zone. Look around. Invite people into your story. It's important that we walk and journey with people who don't necessarily look like us. Make some new friends. The second thing is intentionally invite other people. Intentionally invite others into your story. If you're part of a connect group and you look around and you kind of all look the same in your connect group, it might be time to invite a different family to your your connect group. Reach out. Invite people into your story that don't look like you. Get to know them. Journey with them. Walk a mile in their shoes, if you will. And finally, take advantage of divine appointments. They come, church, every single day. Every day. The problem is you and I generally aren't looking for them, and so they pass right by us. I'll give you an example. It's a small one, and I don't know what God's going to do with it. I do a lot of my work, sermon writing, reading at Panera. Anybody here like Panera? That can be a very dangerous place to like to go as far as the size. But I go in there, and I remember about four weeks ago, I walked in the door, and I saw a new face behind the counter, a woman I wasn't familiar with, hadn't seen her before. I saw her her name was Medina. I walked up to the counter, placed my order. Most of us would place our order, grab our receipt, and walk away and sit down, wait for our food. But when she took my order, I heard that she had an accent, and it was a familiar accent to me. And so I said, Medina, where are you from? It doesn't sound like you're from Dallas. She said, I'm from Bosnia. I said, that's really cool. I did some mission work in Croatia. Now, Croatia and Bosnia are very uh, closely connected. So we sat and we talked about how beautiful the country is there, how beautiful and rich the history is and beautiful the people are. The, The work that I did there, I asked why she's here. She's got two daughters, getting them through high school and hopefully into higher education as well. That's her purpose. That's her job here. And we talked at length about her life. It was a great moment. I don't, again, no, I don't know what God's going to do with that. But now, every time I walk into Panera, Medina raises her hand, waves at me, and I say, Hey, Medina, how you doing? Walk up, place my order again. It's a great opportunity for us to, to realize how many opportunities each and every day God gives us to reach out to people who don't talk like us, look like us, act like us. But yet he creates those appointments for us. At the end of Jesus' life in the Gospel of John, do you know that Jesus actually talks to you? Right here in this room. 
Jesus says there are those that are going to believe that have never seen. And that's this group right here. He goes on to pray for us in John chapter 17. And he says, God, make them united just like you and I are united. Make them one just like you and I are one. And so that is the call this morning is that you and I would lean into the story of God and realize that in Jesus Christ, we're called to be one. We're called to look past color and accent and food choices and the cultures that we grew up in. We're called to leave behind the biases and the stereotypes and realize that we're all created in the image of God. And through Jesus Christ, we're called to be unified in our journey together, to share compassion with those that we come in contact with each and every day. As we sing this next song, our shepherds will be gathered around the wall of this room. And maybe there's something going on in your life that's preventing you really from doing that. And so I want to encourage you as we sing this song, you'd go find one of our shepherd couples and let them pray for you, pray over you, that that speed bump would be taken out of your way, that you'd be able to really move forward in the Great Commission, to really take that gospel message of love to everybody you come in contact with, no matter who they are. My prayer is the Spirit will bless you in that way, and we'll be able to praise His name together. Let's do that right now as we stand together.